So, each of four Sundays through Advent, we've opened the box and gone, who is it? Who is it? There's nobody inside now. It's no use looking because we've lifted out the innkeeper. But I've got a different question for you here at the start of the sermon, um, which has the title, Who Is It? I've got an object, and I wonder if you know what it is. It's made of plastic. It's, uh, I don't know, maybe about six inches long, 15 centimetres, something like that, maybe just a bit shorter. It's got a slight twist to it, a bit like a propeller. Anyone recognise? Is it an abstract sculpture? Is it an abstract sculpture? Um, David wonders. Um, No, I'll tell you the story. I, I found this on Thursday night before coming out to the carol service. I found it as I took the washing upstairs and tipped it out onto the bed to sort out into four separate piles for each member of the family to put away. You've got an idea of what it might be, Marion? It's the, one of the drum things inside the drum. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, it's one of the things. It's actually from the tumble dryer, not the washing machine. But it, it's one of those bits that turns the washing over. I have a pair of them. One is in charge, one is affixed firmly to the inside of the tumble dryer. You know, when something happens like that, you get a bit of a sinking feeling, don't you? You see, what is it? Oh. And we get those encounters in our life. What is it? You're doing the washing up and... uh, finishing off some of the stuff that's not fitted in the dishwasher if you're fortunate to have one and the plate falls off or you go to put it in the cupboard and it drops and it smashes or maybe you've just got your Christmas shopping delivery the Sainsbury's has dropped off and that one key ingredient you were hoping for is the thing they've substituted. Or you go to take a family photo by the tree because it's just the right moment but the battery is flat. And you make a heavy sigh. But you know that there's no use crying over spilt milk. It's one of those things, it's there, it's happened. It's not a great disaster. No use crying over spilt milk. Unless, of course, the milk was spilt an hour ago and the children didn't tell you. Accidents like that we can usually deal with. But there are bigger elements of grief that come into our life. 
things that we struggle with. The more than a sigh, more than a sob seem to come to us. Indeed, there's times that crying seems inadequate. The diagnosis of a serious illness in a member of your family, or maybe even a bereavement. Marital breakdown being made redundant. The company that you work for going bust. We all at some point experience pain that words sometimes can't describe. It's a big change to our life and we feel sick to the stomach, far more so than finding that the tumble dryer's not working properly anymore. All we can do is turn to God and say, what? What is the way forward? What is the path ahead? And it's that depth of experience, that depth of pain, that we start our reading in. Because that's where Joseph is. The woman he loves, the woman he's betrothed to, Mary, is found to be pregnant. And he knows it is not his child. How he came by the news, we're, we're not told. Whether it's direct from Mary, whether it's through the village gossip channels, whether somebody comes and nudges him and tells him, whether it's a friend, whether it's his family. But he knows his fiancée is with child, and he is devastated. Throughout history, it's always been the case that prior to tying the knot, that some folk will have had sex. It's only in relatively recent times that it's been seen as acceptable by some in society, and then only really within the Western world. Within the community of faithful people, not just Christians, but probably most world faiths, there is a question over it. It still fits outside our moral teaching. That said, we should be like how Joseph responds. He's sick to his stomach. He feels broken and distraught. But he loves Mary. A betrayed man of the time could have used the law to see Mary executed. And he must have wondered who it was that had brought this child to be in Mary's womb. 
who could he maybe take revenge against? But instead, he is non-judgmental. Something has happened which has devastated him. Things for his future will never be the same. But at the same point, he loves Mary. And so he chooses to divorce her, but he's not going to do it publicly. He's got to do it as quiet as he can. He doesn't know who this person is. He suspects that Mary is not the person that he thought her to be. But he will do things quietly. And that's the mark of the man that is Joseph. We need to be loving people. When something happens outside of our control, when things go awfully wrong, things that maybe cause us great harm and somebody else is responsible, we need to be merciful and gracious and seek the direction ahead. That doesn't deny that our life has changed. It doesn't dictate what the path must be. You know, the answer to what would Jesus do is quite often about five or six different possible answers or possibly even more. But move onwards we must. So in times of strife we approach God. Seek his aid. Try to discover what might be the route to follow, even though it might be a difficult route. Even though it might be full of pain, we need to find God's path ahead. Somehow, Joseph goes to sleep. I don't know how he manages to get that bit of rest. I know myself when I've had a bit of a sinking feeling, things going over in my brain, that sleep may not easily come. And probably you've experienced that too. Too many things to think about. Too much to keep us awake. But Joseph does fall asleep. And the answer to his unasked question of who it is, who is responsible, comes to him. Who is responsible for Mary's pregnancy? It is an act of the Holy Spirit. That wouldn't have been in his mind. That wouldn't have been what he was thinking. In many Old Testament stories, God aids conception. Isaac, Samson, Joseph, the son of Jacob, Samuel. They're each born to a woman who had been considered beyond childbearing or barren, as it is often put in the Bible. But God knows different. 
and God can do things that are otherwise impossible. God helps those couples, those women, conceive. But the story with Mary is different. She is not old. She is young. She is still a virgin. And yet, she is with child. The angel clears up more than the mystery of the conception. Firstly, he identifies who Joseph is. He is a son of David. He's a descendant of that psalm-singing king that was the youngest shepherd boy of Jesse. It puts a sense of royalty into the story that's happening. And the angel then reveals who the child is to be. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that's a really interesting thing that the angel says. Jesus means he saves. And that's why he gets the name. But the angel doesn't just say you're to give him the name of Jesus because he's going to save people. He says he's going to save people from their sins. For centuries, God's people had been waiting for the Messiah, or the Christ, the anointed one. Now he's coming. But their vision had often been of a Messiah that would come and lead them in battle. A come and overthrow the oppressor. Come and lead them into war, much as David led soldiers into battle. And the people understood that they needed freeing from the oppressive presence that was in the Holy Land at that time. But it's not the Romans that Jesus is going to free the people from. He comes to free us from our sins. It's laid out in the message of the angel to Joseph. Matthew, in this first chapter of his gospel, has told his readership four times by now that Jesus is the Messiah. He's given a lineage from Abraham through David all the way to Joseph, suggesting that the child is to be a Jewish king, but the son is not born to sit on a throne in Jerusalem. The son is not being born to take possession of the promised land, that land that was promised 42 generations ago. His birth has a far greater purpose. Joseph is to be a stepfather, not to an earthly king, 
but the king of all creation. Fully human, but also fully divine. Clearly, Matthew thought the reader still hadn't got the point. The angel hadn't given enough detail in that message. So, reminds us of the words of Isaiah. The child would be born of a virgin and be called Emmanuel, God with us. The child born of Mary is God the Father's own son. And he comes for a purpose. A purpose that no other human that has lived could do. No other sacrifice or gift that we could offer to God could do. We cannot save ourselves from our sins. But God chooses a way for it to happen. And the Father sends the Son that he would live our life on earth, that he would suffer and die in our place, that our sins can be forgiven. Jesus saves. What greater gift can there be than to be saved and offered new life? Whatever is happening good or bad however rotten the disasters are that we are encountering at this time whatever is being said or not said about us we can look to Christmas tomorrow Christ Mass and let our hearts celebrate the coming of the Messiah. How he comes as a gift of love from God. And how he comes offering hope because he offers to save us from our sins. Amen.